My name is Jonathan Matos. And this is Melissa Matos. Um, I am the author of Cain and Abel, and I write thrillers, and sometimes I write short stories. And I am the author of The Iron Sorcerer, which is available on my website, montos.com. And I am hoping to be the author of Future Things. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're both querying our works right now. Um, we're going to be going to a writing conference. I keep forgetting what the name of it is. I think it's just, uh, let me look it up. Uh, it's the Greater Lehigh Valley. Yeah, the Greater Lehigh Valley Writers. Writers thing. Right, it's right, they write, we write oh, things. I don't want to go to Grub Bell. What is wrong with you? <laughs> I wouldn't mind some Taco Bell right now. No. <laughs> it's called the Write Stuff Writers Conference. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to be there. If you happen to be a writer in, in the thing and you see a short hobbit looking person and a, a, a taller, bespectacled, Puerto Rican woman, <laughs> that's, that's the both of us. That's like the most generic description of me ever. <laughs> I think it's very specific if if you know because uh, I just found um, somebody on YouTube that's that's Puerto Rican. Oh, okay. And I was just like, like that's that's my aunt. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. It looked kind of like her. Oh, was um, that the one with the with the no me aplica? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's so funny. That um, was funny. But anyway, uh, this is unboxing story where we explore uh, our feels about fringe fiction. I don't know. <laughs> I love alliteration. Um, and we're going to be talking about the Academy Awards. Now, I want to start by saying, I think one thing about a, a lot of controversy that pops up around these, it makes me feel bad because I feel like movies are like a magic trick. <laughs> like, the fact that any of them are good is kind of a miracle. And when you start getting people talking about, like, well, you know, this is this political thing about movies or this is like what I think should win. And, you know, these types of movies never get recognition and all these kinds of things. It kind of lessens that magical feel about it. And growing up watching the Academy Awards, it always felt like this cool way to celebrate movies. And obviously that's the, with the advantage of being a kid and not worrying about, you know, what other people think and everything. Um, when you grow up, you kind of lose some of that charm, that innocence, right? But that's what makes it fun for me to watch. That it's a night that's just about movies, and you get to sit there and yell at the screen. You're like, "Oh, I wanted this to win," right. and stuff like that. Um, and hopefully, they have a good host that's funny. Right. <laughs> I still don't think they ever beat. I think the one year they actually had Billy Crystal, Whoopi Goldberg, and um, what was the other person? There's three of them. Hosting. Billy Billy hosted a couple times. Billy hosted times. for a he while. Was, he was, he was great. Good. And it was hilarious. And mm -hmm. I don't think anybody's come close to beating it since. Right. So. Um, so the, with that. So the, the first uh, controversy that, that has come up that's um, uh, a little, and we can, we can kind of uh, talk about, is that, like, there's this kind of, like, speculation about what, is going to win. And it, it's kind of an interesting industry now that's popped up on YouTube of like, you know, this, like the uh, Collider movie talk was a big uh, kind of game changer as far as the YouTube critic culture was concerned. 
because the guy that created kind of saw it as like the ESPN of movies, right? So he kind of talked about it like, you know, this is how much this movie made. And that was kind of like sports stats, like your team won. So like the positive aspect of that is that it's it's a lot of information that and reporting that, you know, you wouldn't have had access to uh, earlier on. Um, and like the idea of it being uh, an industry that you can kind of learn a little bit more about, you start seeing some of the hypocrisy behind it, like the, you know, campaigning that goes on, stuff like that. So that's like a benefit of it. But I, I feel like it's also turned it kind of into this, it's turned this, these artistic things, vehicles, into this like, you know, um, this like spectator sport of like, this is, you know, I'm team Marvel and all, uh, all the people that like DC movies, I'm going to spend all day commenting on your, you know, videos and saying how much you suck because you're on team, uh, DC and vice versa. Um, so what do you feel about like when you hear somebody talk about like, you know, this, that, that whole speculation aspect of, criticism online how is that affected how is that uh or that does it affect like how you see movies and how you see the awards um i mean i like i like people guessing who's going to win mm-hmm. but i don't like the whole idea of trolling the internet to put down your opponents mm-hmm. um I think it's more fun to be like, well, this one was like this, but this one was like this, so maybe that one's going to beat it out because of this, like, mm-hmm. almost the gossipy kind of version of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Where you're like, well, I heard that this director did this thing, and then that means that this other thing is not mm-hmm. going to, like, that, that kind of more, mm-hmm. you know, people who know the industry and who know what kind of movies the Academy usually likes to be able to speculate and say, well, I think this is going to win because so-and-so got snubbed for three years now because they didn't get it for this one or this one or this one, so they're going to get it now because they deserve it, even if this wasn't the best role Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Right. So, yeah, so there's that. That's what I kind of put down was that it's like speculation versus advocacy. Yeah. This idea that, like, you know, why hasn't Denzel won something yet? Like, come on. Like, you know, this guy has been working for... Uh, you know, four or five decades of and and done, you know, two hundred movies. And there's that fan aspect of like sticking up for your ideas versus that kind of more antagonistic culture that has kind of arisen arisen uh, because of social media, where you um, you think about the um, and and that kind of segues into my thing of the. We were, we were talking about virtue signaling around movies like Green Book and Bohemian Rhapsody. What did you call it? It's a, it's a but this is Millennials Corner with John. <laughs> <laughs> like, back up, define term. Yeah, so virtue signaling has been something that uh, has been used to refer to how a person will say, because. Um, it's kind of like you might have also heard of like white knighting where you're basically saying like I'm more politically correct uh, 
because I have this opinion about X thing. And because of social media, you kind of get some social currency because of some of the opinion that you have. So it's seen as this disingenuous kind of like, and especially when you're talking about film criticism, I I feel what, what my skin in the game, I feel like, you know, it kind of goes back to this, this kind of principle I have where it, you criticize ideas, not people. And it, it gets to be kind of scornful when a person is saying, well, well, he, they, they don't really care about gay people the way that I care about gay people. And they mo- made Bohemian Rhapsody specifically to target gay people um, and make it seem like their uh, their stories aren't important. So they took all of this stuff about gay romance out of Bohemian Rhapsody to make it more appealing to wide audiences. That's that kind of opinion that on on in certain circles gets you kind of this clout of, of stuff. And then with green book, there was that controversy of, are they being um, sincere about the struggle of African-Americans during this time, or are they making it palatable and, and having this um, like comedy based on this thing? And maybe, you know, and this is also kind of a thing that makes it, um, hard in terms of trying to say like, well, virtue signaling is not cool to me because when you say it, number one, it comes across as you're saying that there aren't virtues <laughs> and that there's nothing worth fighting for. That's not really my point. And then uh, also at the same time, you're um, you're you're making it sound like um, I kind of lost my train of thought. Well, so I I don't like the idea that you that people are pushing for awards for movies just because they're advocating certain things. Mm-hmm. Um, as much as I appreciate and and believe and support the idea that certain voices need to be represented, mm-hmm. um, I think that the awards are given out because the art is good. Mm-hmm. And, and, and just the same way you shouldn't, you know, exclude, you shouldn't exclude certain voices from being in that pool that you're picking from. Mm. Um, but you shouldn't be looking for them just because they are those voices or just because they are advocating certain things. Mm-hmm. You should be looking for them because they are good art, regardless of who wrote them and what they're advocating in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless they're advocating absolutely horrifying things <laughs> <laughs> with their film mm-hmm. or whatever artwork they're making. Like, you know, right. then, like you're, it, then I, you're looking for it because it has good quality film or it's a good quality story, not because you're you're pushing a certain agenda. Mm-hmm. Right. And I think that that's, I think the problem with this and kind of what I was getting into a little bit is that you, oh, that that's what I was going to say, that I heard that people were saying this about Green Book. I heard that people were saying this about BP. Yeah, but Rhapsody, I haven't really seen it. But I haven't really experienced it, it within my friend group. Yeah. And so that's a, another sticky part of it is that you're talking about a lot of very abstract ideas. And so if you have an opinion on them, you're immediately kind of sticking your foot in your mouth because you're just kind of talking about these kind of abstract things. Whereas 
what I love about it is the storytelling. If I'm going to watch a movie, I don't want to have to think about what 50 people on Twitter yeah, about think it. about it. I want to have the art it. speak for itself. And in, and in a perfect world, like you were saying, you know, there wouldn't be those concerns about black voices or LGBT voices. You know, there, there's obviously work as our, that our country needs to do in order to have representation. And we, you know, are in full support of that. Um, but at the same time, the storytelling itself, I and we're going to get into with our opinions about the movies this year, um, it, it's, it seems to be suffering from this case of um, the, the art being reduced to, you know, whether or not it's politically correct. Yeah. Um, Although I, I have somewhat edited my opinion since my last rant at you <laughs> regarding certain choices for the nominations. Okay. Are we going to get that into that later? Yes. Okay. Yes. Um, so the, uh, another thing that's kind of, that's kind of come up and, and it's been, it's been in the conversation a long time as somewhat, you know, this, uh, this has been too, as far as the messaging goes is the difference between the, the art itself and this idea of, the auteur, and that was another term I was telling you. Is very, it's very common in academic talk, but um, and I, I remember learning it, uh, talk, discussing it during my philosophy of film class, um, was this idea that like the director is this kind of oh, he takes responsibility for the entire work. So within the philosophy of film, people discuss well, is it his movie? Because there's a lot of other people that are part of it. Um, because of the power that he has, there's kind of some disparity in it. Um, but you know, many, many hands make a light load. Um, so as far as the politically correct aspect of it goes, when that person starts getting accused of something in this me too era, where so many of these people are finally being held accountable and, um, you know, women's stories are being taken as we need to actually investigate this stuff rather than shove it in a closet, just because these people have, all this money and influence, um, you're starting to get the work of art get maligned right, and because deprecated that. because that one person who is seen as this auteur voice of this movie, um, and and it like like I said, there's those aspects of obviously we don't live in a perfect world, and um, there are people within any structure that have uh, been corrupted, and 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 there's you know, power disparity and everything like that. But it's another of those things that as you mature and learn, you know, your heroes aren't perfect. Um, it's a sad thing that the, that the art that they made should be maligned because of their personal. And so I have long held flaws. the opinion. Well, not the opinion. It's not really the right word. I've mm -hmm. long had the philosophy that I don't tend to think of people in Hollywood as real people mm. because of the disappointment like I don't think of act. I don't. I don't want to know things about actors' real lives. I mm. don't look that stuff up. I don't care. Like right. I think of you as a person playing this role. Mm. Period. Right. Because people aren't perfect. People are gonna disappoint you. People are gonna do horrible things. Mm. That does not mean that you're not a good actor. You're mm. a bad person. Right. But that doesn't mean you don't have that talent. Mm -hmm. 
Right. Now, I am happy that they are finally speaking up and, and getting people out of places where they are hurting people. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and I don't believe that they should let a director continue mm-hmm. to be around people that they're hurting if they're going to continue hurting people. Yeah. But at the same time, I don't think you should then take everything he's ever worked on and say, this is all crap now and we're not going to recognize any of it because it's still good. Mm. And it isn't just his, especially with film. Mm. It's not just his work. Right. It's a lot of people's work. Mm. Um, I can see it probably mo- being more of a problem with like novels or something where it is literally pretty much just one person's work. Mm. But even then, or I, because I was giving you examples of like, so Lewis Carroll apparently did some wacky stuff mm. and was probably a drug addict and mm. all this other stuff, mm. but people still consider child, 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 child Yeah. And... But people still consider Alice in Wonderland an amazing work of art because mm. it's a good story. Mm. It's a little crazy, but it's a good story. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of opera writers who were very anti-Semitic mm-hmm. who were probably really horrible, not really horrible people, but that was not a great thing to be <laughs> but their operas are still considered beautiful amazing yeah. operas because and, and art as you good. as you appropriately said obviously if the work were uh you know attached to this idea whatever right it is, like if you are racism if you are or pushing your badness twisting, into your you know, art yeah. and your art is now you know a tool for you to push this mm wickedness in people's faces or hurt okay. people through your artwork, then that's one thing. But a lot of them, it doesn't really, I mean, some of the operas it does, but in a lot of things, it doesn't really show up in the artwork, whatever mm-hmm. this horribleness is that's in you, right. especially if you're talking about, so that the complexity with film is the message of the film isn't coming from the director. The message of the film is coming from the writers. Mm-hmm. Mostly. I mean, I know the director has, I think that's how, that's certainly how we, but that's how most it. people analyze it. Yeah. The director is able to draw stuff out of people to mm-hmm. get them to help them get that message across. Mm-hmm. But then that's also a function of how good the actors are. It's also a function of how good you know the support team making all of that. Like Lord of the Rings was not just Peter Jackson. Lord of the Rings was a a good story already. Mm-hmm. B a whole ton of artists that also loved that work. Mm-hmm. A whole ton of actors that were way into their like that was so many different things went into making that amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, which is why I cut 11 different Oscars. <laughs> but like, you know, if it turns out tomorrow that Peter Jackson's a raving lunatic murderer, that doesn't make Lord of the Rings a bad movie, mm-hmm. you know? Right. Um, yeah, so I think we're on the same page with that. And the um, the other controversy that I guess is not now a controversy. <laughs> I mean, I guess it, it still was, but I don't really have that much of an opinion of it. They were going to shorten the time of the show. And I guess maybe they're still doing that, but they're doing all 24. I, I saw a report recently that they're doing all 24 categories. Okay. So maybe it flipped back. Maybe. Um, but the, the production thing, that's not as much a problem with me because I, like you said, with the writing aspect of it, I, at least within the, the, um, show that was never really on the chopping block and i don't really see it as like i think because we're writers we see it as more of a writer's uh medium mm-hmm. and we care more about that those integral parts of the story so something i think like cinematography might have been on the 
chopping block as far right. as the telecast is concerned. Um, I but, mean, to some extent, I like I like the format that they use. Like mm-hmm. they show clips from the best pictures all throughout the night. They do the songs that are up for best music and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff, which is really nice because some of them, you know, I haven't heard or whatever. Mm-hmm. But um, but I can see how it, it is. It is an insanely long program, and I hate and staying I think, up to past midnight just trying to hear what best picture is. As far as production is concerned, uh, or, or the too, or the ABC is concerned, they, they probably are just like, we're going to get a bunch of eyes on this, so we might as well advertise the crap out of the, our viewers. Well, so like, too. there's that added to the fact that it's such a big industry, and you're trying to cram all those awards yeah, in it's there a one thing. to begin with. So, but they're not they're not cutting anything. You said it seems like from from the last report that they're that they're not going to do that. Um, so we're going to get into the awards after the break. Uh, we'll talk to you after after the uh, I'm after gonna, the I'm, break. You're not calling in anything else. It's after the break. Okay. No. No post production no. terminology. No. Or, <laughs> not during what? Because it's post production terms for a reason. Not during production. Okay. All right. Yes, yes, ma'am. It's interesting that we were talking about the writer's aspect of it because uh, the first one we're going to start out with, first category, is Best Adapted Screenplay. The nominees are... The nominees are... (laughs) A Star is Born by Eric Roth, Will Fetters, and Bradley Cooper. Uh, This is Adapted Screenplays? Yes. Okay. The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. By Joel and Ethan Cohen, Black Black Klansman, by Charlie Watchell, David Robin Robinowitz, and Kevin Wilmot and Spike Lee. It's very interesting how I don't I haven't learned yet why, but they do different weird breaks where it says Charlie Watchell, ampersand David Robinowitz, and at the word end. <laughs> Kevin Wilmot oh, so and Spike like Lee. There was two teams of so them? it's this, it's this, it's the screenwriter skill thing. There's a very specific way that you way finish. that you credit it. So I, I'm assuming that for for since it's adapted, is the first pair the people that wrote the original story, and then the second pair is the people that did. No, the I don't I, because Joel and Ethan Cohen. Oh yeah. Did did, did that yeah, that okay. thing? So I th- it's a yeah it's a specific anyway a little yeah, the, a little industry aside there. Um, if you know Street could talk by Barry Jenkins. And Can You Ever Forgive Me by Nicole Holoff Center and Jeff Lee. Oh, I wanted to see that, too. I haven't seen that yet. But that's up on... It's on... Oh, it's on demand yeah. for those of you who want to also catch it before the... the We're working the on it. It's post. hard. It's a lot of movies, man. Um, but we did see A Star is Born. Yes. Um, and yeah, of, of these, I've read some of the pages... Of a field street to talk the <laughs> book, and I watched the first short in the Ballad of Buster Scruggs, and uh, that's an interesting, isn't that like so? That's okay. yeah. So the the for those of you who don't know on Netflix series, right now, right? the Ballad of Buster Scruggs is a anthology movie. Uh, not many of those going around nowadays. No, not at all. Uh, not since uh, the amazing stories that Spielberg did back in oh yeah nineteen eighty something or like the Twilight Zone movie yeah hey those are like the two biggest wow. examples so this but that's the, the Twilight what I'm confused though I didn't know what that was <laughs> saying all right yeah. well so that that's up and I I don't know really between those two which I would pick um I I didn't I uh, considering Star is born, 
I was going to say, considering the choices, that's probably the only one I would pick Stars Born for us in this mm-hmm. category. Our, our mom's trying to get it on the podcast. When your dog comes in. Oh. Um, hey, because she has a lot of... She's, she has opinions. Uh, specifically enthused to listen to this episode because she watched uh, some of the um, nominees with us. Um We'll get we'll get to those later. But but read um, it out again, and I'm gonna because I because as much as I want to give you all the ones that I wish could win, they're yeah, not oh, going. So to. you're 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 because that's I want another who's actually going to. It's win. a big that's a big thing with these is like I said the speculation of yes because we're gonna do predictions. There's the things that how, you how want to win, and there's the, the thing that, that based actually on actually will win. Yeah, what you know, what public opinion maybe you've heard is and whatever, um, and I I feel like as far as directing goes. It seems like everybody really loves, like Bradley Cooper, and they think that that was like a it, and for a debut right. directorial thing, I think that was very good. Yeah. But, um, the writing, I, it, 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 as far as compared to the other movies, it's not as much of a. So I guess if you're gonna put me down for something, yep, you can put me down for Buster Scruggs because it was Buster Scruggs. Uh, maybe for novelty alone. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. It is different. What were the options again? I gotta make my guess here. Yeah, so Starborn, Buster Scruggs, Black Klansman, If Beale Street Could Talk, and Can You Ever Forgive Me? Huh. And I, I think in terms of the politics, like you were saying, of like they haven't, let's give them one. Uh, the Coen brothers. Yeah, that's true. Win, because win. have they gotten one yet? Um, I'm not sure. Let me look it up. I love being able to just look stuff up. <laughs> yeah, recently podcast. you've gotten more into uh, being the, uh, I don't know, is there a name, uh, your audience, is there <laughs> is there a name for the person on a podcast that is the one that looks things up? They is have it? been nominated for 14 and have won four. Huh? I think they're good. <laughs> well, but what I mean, what I, I think as far as the, uh, what, Magnetically, was coming to mind was less that they deserve one because they have it, but because their screenwriting is among these. I think the if you're going to talk about the screenwriting, they're known for having. One I think I'm going one. to vote very cynically and just go with the stars born because <laughs> yeah. I have a feeling it's going to walk away with a lot of them. Mm-hmm. All right. Original screenplay. So original screenplay, we have The Favorite by Deborah Davis and Tony McNamara. We've discussed how I was uninterested in this because it was a love triangle. Yes. And, and I didn't care triangles. that they were in the 1500s or what. I, Whatever. Not even 1500s. It's later than that. Okay. 1700s. <laughs> um, right, or or that like, they were lesbian or anything. It's just I don't like love triangles. No. Um, and this is the same uh, screenwriter that did... The lobster. Oh dear. And the killing of a sacred deer. So no. Not um, at all. Okay. So yeah, I I I just hear about his movies and I run away. <laughs> um First Reform by Paul Schrader, which oh, we watched, which this, we watched morning. this morning. <laughs> so let's get into this a little bit. Um, I, I know I have a very I have a succinct way to put it. Okay. I was saddened personally <laughs> because it seemed like it was very much different from when I, at first blush, when I saw the trailer. And 
from from Taxi Driver. This guy, Paul Schrader, is very famous for having written Taxi Driver. But I thought, like, oh, great, this is a new type of thing from his voice. Maybe he's changed some of his style, and I was very interested to watch it. But this is Taxi Driver. If it was written about a pastor and there was a different twist ending. <laughs> and it's weird to me that it, he was just going to write that over again. This guy that's like going insane and is, uh, um, cause for, for those of you who haven't seen it, it's, um, a pastor of a, uh, a first reformed who, um, uh, one of his parishioners, uh, says like my husband is um, depressed and he's you know uh, paranoid about environmentalism and he says why should we bring a child into this world and he starts he counsels him for a day the guy shoots himself and that was kind of about like 40 minutes in so I'm like okay where is this going to go and then the movie becomes taxi driver yeah. the first 40 minutes of that movie were not bad <laughs> but but I came into it apparently not too long after the first 40 minutes <laughs> And it was just all downhill from And there. then the 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 most egregious part to me was the relationship with the wife of yes. the, the guy that gets shot. shot. Because it becomes this weird pseudo-religious uh, aff like affair in the sense that like he's recently divorced. This girl's yeah. wife just died. It feels very cheap and like he's uh, like taking advantage of her. And they have this uh, so the, the apparently they used the this guy this guy and his wife used to get high and do magical mystery tour, which is they would get high and lie face you know facing each other and um like like facing each other in the sense that like what Elijah did face to, to face. revive yeah lying uh, face to face on on each other on the floor and so they do they. He she comes like crying to him in the night, uh, the pastor character that's the focus of the film, and they start showing this montage like from La La Land where they start floating, yeah, floating and like, it's the stars and everything. And I'm like, okay, is this gonna are they gonna start dancing now? And <laughs> then it's all this like imagery of nature and stuff like that. It's just really laughable stuff in the way that like Taxi Driver was obviously not. It kept the tension throughout the whole film. And that's what I was saying. It was kind of like dark comedy. Cause it's like, are we, am I really supposed am to take I this serious? Yeah. It was, it was so, yeah, it was very odd. Um, so yeah, so it was, it was a disappointment for me. Um, I thought the acting was okay. No, the acting was fine. Um, and some we'll, of the, some we'll, of the scripts were parts were fine. like the characters that were supposed to drive you crazy did. Like uh -huh. I was, anyway, it's <laughs> strange. Uh, and and we talked about like some of the concepts in it, like that. I here so Roma is also up for best original screenplay. So what, another conclusion I came to was that Roma is when you have absolutely no symbolism, and your screenplay is bad. <laughs> and first reformed too much for symbolism. us as religious people, what we were primed to get every single symbol within yeah. it. And it was bad. <laughs> yeah. So that kind of goes to show that we're not against weird symbolic things like first reform. No, I was, and we're not I against was looking forward to it, but it's dry. It's not, uh, you know, uh, biopics. Biopics, but 
they were both very uniquely not good. <laughs> as far as our viewers, I'm going to let you rant about uh, Roma. Roma. <laughs> so, the reason our mother was involved with this whole thing is she saw it first and wanted our opinions. I had not intended to watch this movie at all, but uh -huh. in order to rant about it properly, I needed to see it. Mm -hmm. And um, as much as I appreciate, like I was saying earlier, that certain people's stories need to be told, certain voices should be heard, things need to be known in the world about mm -hmm. stuff. This would have been serviced better if it had been a documentary about the young life of this director. With, with the tone that they chose. With the tone that because they chose. Because it wasn't about relationships. No. It was about her specifically. Right. Then, then what, it, you know, then trying to be a film. Because mm. to me, even if films aren't fictional, because there are a lot of films that are based on true stories, mm. you are still trying to show that true story in a way that emphasizes the drama of it or the tension of it or the relationships. It's something. You pick a thing mm. to emphasize mm. and to use as the center of your story. Right. And this did not do that. Mm -hmm. It was just, let me show you a whole bunch of things I remember about this woman from my childhood. Mm -hmm. And that was it. Yeah, and it made it very difficult to... To watch to. because you didn't really have anything to latch on to to right. see like okay so this is more important than this right and so I can see and I mean like it's not that know. I didn't sympathize with her because she went through a lot of horrible things mm -hmm. and I was like this is you know the sad life of this it woman is, as far as the directing goes there was a lot of interesting choices like yeah. the getting broken up with that guy and then there's the plane that crashes the airplanes that keep showing up. <laughs> like out of nowhere for no reason except that apparently he lived near an airplane air, airport when he was a kid I'm like uh -huh. like I understand that those are things that you remember from your childhood but when you are telling a story you don't just randomly throw all the facts in there you tell a story mm -hmm. and th this this hit me very personally because the first book that I that I have out now uh, on uh, Amazon Cain and Abel C-A-N-E-A-V-L-E um, I started it, with it as a memoir not with the intention of making it a memoir, but um, as I was writing it, I was starting to craft it to try to make it so that if you did not experience it as I did, and if you couldn't, there were certain things I knew you could not relate to. And the importance of it to me was not the, the specific things that I remembered. Some things that I remembered exactly fit within a story, a dramatic right. retelling of it. But, uh, I had to craft it into something that would be um, that people would be able to latch on to different symbols and say, okay, this is how he sees his muscle weakness. This is how he sees um, other people who are disabled. This is how he relates to his family. Um, if it was just going to be a memoir, you have to, I would have had to craft it in such a way that all these things that actually happened to me, there's also a creative way to do that. Yes. Um, but because it, even when people write biographies of people, there is some sort of theme that they are trying to show this person was mm -hmm. X thing. And then right. they will emphasize those things in that person's life. Right. And, and what, what, what is hard for me and Melissa to grasp is that there seems to be a trend from the French new wave in the seventies of that's experimental that is being latched onto these very important stories that make it very that obfuscate the meaning yeah. of the stories, and it's not necessarily that you can't do experimental filmmaking, and you or you can't do uh, 
bi- biographical films that are a little slower, that are more right. true to life. But the combination of those, that style with that content is very, like, it's detached it's, yeah. in my mind. It's um, counter, counter-effective. Mm-hmm. Is that the right word? <laughs> so, uh, I... Uh, we haven't seen Green Book. We're planning this Saturday to do uh, a second episode with my friend Trevor. Um, in order, as we said, as part of this podcast, the goal is to have other people uh, tell their stories and, and uh, promote diverse storytelling because it's something that we personally enjoy and is definitely a highlight of this year. Um, uh, he's going to um, tell us his opinion about Black Panther and Green Book. Uh, so we're going to be excited to uh, put that out to you guys as well, um, as if everything goes as planned. Um, but Green Book, I feel like, is a, uh, a a contender within this race. To give you the, the list again, it's the favorite, Deborah Davis and Tony McNamara. First Reformed by Paul Schrader. Green Book by Nick Valalanga and Brian Hayes, Curry, and Peter Fairley. Uh, Roma by Alfonso Coron and Vice by Adam McKay. Uh, I also I didn't see Vice uh, as well as Green Book and, and Favorite, uh, but I think if I had to pick one, I'd probably pick Green Book. You're gonna pick Green Book. Again, I am making a cynical choice and claiming that Roma will win <laughs> for this, even though I don't want it to. All right, so we have Best Supporting Actor. Yep, Maharshala I... Ali in Green Book. Quick oh, side note: quick, with, uh, yes. relating to this, mm-hmm. I did look up the uh, guidelines for nominating actor versus supporting actor because in my head, and this is just going from trailers because as we said, I haven't seen it yet. He was the main actor in this story. The story's about him, Hmm. isn't it? I mean, I guess supposedly it's about the both of them. Right. And it's, I think the narrative framing because the surviving, the um, Italian, the Pio Mortensen's character his son wrote it. Right. So it I have a feeling that it's from framed from his point of view. Okay. And it's one of those stories like Green, Ga- Green Gatsby. Great Gatsby. I combine them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that would the, be a very interesting story, John. We should write that sometime. Well, Green you know, Gatsby. The Green Light is a big... Yeah, that's one. right. That's true, it is. It's in there. It's in the text. No. Um, <laughs> the uh, Great Gatsby is kind of like that where the narrator is the framing device of the story, but it's about the other Gatsby. Guy. Okay. You know? I was just, I just thought in my head, it sounded strange that he was a supporting actor mm-hmm. instead of best actor. Right. There is apparently no main guidelines other than the fact that you cannot have all of your dialogue dubbed over and still be <laughs> nominated for any of those. Right. Uh, but there's no like rule about you have to have X amount of screen time or anything like that. Uh-huh. Um, we have Adam Driver and Black Klansman. Sam Elliott, A Star is Born, Richard E. Grant, Can You Forgive Me, and Sam Rockwell Vice. Now, if we're going to go off of who is do I like at this moment, I'm also <laughs> watching True Detective, and so oh, yeah. Marshall Ali I'm, is I'm killing it in the game. You're going to have to spell his name for me. Okay. M-A-H-E-R-S-H-A-L-A. And Ali. Ali. That's that part I know. Yeah. Um... um but I think all, I think Samuel Elliott is definitely a contender. Uh, you know, he played the brother in A Star Is Born, and uh, I I, I oh, think personally, right. I just like him as a 
as an actor, and, and it, it's one of those things where like, oh, cool, he got a part in this thing, and he's also really good in this. Yeah, um, I did like the way that they the the scenes where they were arguing in that movie. That mm. is true. But I am going with you. I think Marshall Ali is gonna get yeah. that one, and he he also won. He's back in, back last year. Just for his just for his. If he doesn't win that, he should win something for his performance in True Detective because he is brilliant in that. Yeah, uh, so for those who aren't watching that, um, he's playing three different different times in one man's life, in the eighties, nineties, and the twenty tens, and he's just really good at like my 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 mom was saying, and I agree with her that you can just tell based on his mannerisms how what, what time it is. is. And like that's a really cool like but his hair is it's changed changes more subtly between the eighties and nineties version. And the other one is obvious because he has gray hair and these like cool looking but he glasses. Just, he just is such a convincing old man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah and then and that that's kind of the strength of that older portrayal. Um so yeah. All for Mahershala. Um, Best Supporting Actress. We have Amy Adams in Vice. Marina de Tavira in Roma. Uh, Regina King, If Bill Street Could Talk. Uh, Emma Stone, The Favorite. And Rachel Weisz, The Favorite. I don't think, aside from Roma, we've seen any of these. So we'll We'll, we'll leave that blank because we are not sure. Undecided. Okay. That's how I'm marking those. I am writing these down because I want to see how we're going to score ourselves on Oscar night and see who wins. <laughs> um, it's interesting to me because uh, I haven't heard much about at Eternity the Gate, but um, what's his name? Will Defoe mm-hmm. played um, Van Gogh. Oh. Um, Ooh, and watch that. I like Van Gogh. <laughs> yeah, he's one of those characters from history that you're just like, there was something different about you. Yes. And Although, to be fair, my favorite portrayal of Van Gogh was in a Doctor Who episode. So I don't know how well that tells you all about me that you need to know. <laughs> uh, so we have Christian Bale in Vice, which that's one of those like transformation things. He played Dick Cheney. So it's like, that's that looks like Dick Cheney. Yeah. One of those Johns. Um, <laughs> Bradley Cooper. John is a Philadelphia thing for those. Yeah. You're just like, what did he just Random say? Random thing. John. That John. <laughs> Look it up. It's a word. It is. Um. Bradley Cooper, Star is Born. Willem Dafoe, at Eternity's Gate. Rami Malek, Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes. And Viggo Mortensen, Green Book. I want Rami Malek to win mm-hmm. so bad because mm-hmm. he rocked that part like mm-hmm. nobody's business. Yeah, it's a, that, it's a very... I think he really brought humanity to somebody that was so Superhuman. big in people's <laughs> minds. Yes. Um, and I've, I've heard an interview with him and I have heard how much he put into that role. Mm-hmm. How much music he learned for that role, mm-hmm. how much he learned to move like him, how much he practiced with those teeth in his mouth, all uh, that stuff. Right. So he really, really dug into that part. Right. I, I think it's it's um that that might be that might be make him a shoe in just because of how and, and I was saying that that, that about the difference between Stars Born and that and that um like I feel so bad for Stars Born as a musical type movie. Because when you're fighting the power of Queen, you're trying to write original music yeah. that it's like this is a rock star in this universe versus Queen. Yeah, it's like not really going to be nope. a contest. Um, but I've heard good things about uh, Viggo Mortensen and Green Book, and from the trailer, it's so like he has a lot of range in terms of like that's not Eric Yeah, like he's really good at. That. No, he's good. Um, he's been in a bunch of different 
Interesting role. Uh, yeah, it seems to be one of those choosy people that pops up in something that I really believes in. Um, and Bradley Cooper worked so hard to get his voice to sound like Sam Elliott's. <laughs> he, <laughs> he did. Just like, he was I trying to sound my like voice it here. was pretty good. <laughs> um, but really, my opinion of that is he just basically needed to look drunk and or sad. Yeah, there so wasn't much wasn't, range in no, that. There was not much that range film. in that film for him. So if I had not to, that I'm saying yeah. he can't do it because I have seen like Silver Lining Playbook. I know that man can act. It's yeah, not that I'm saying that, but in that movie, I don't yeah, he think doesn't that get to have much no. to do, which is interesting because it's it you know it was his vision of it, so it's not like he wrote the like the, that's another <laughs> controversial, not really controversial, but in talking about the the filmmaking of these Oscar contender movies that come out in the fall. Right. They talk about this as like, oh, that's the part that they put in there to be the Academy. Like, Will Smith wants an Academy Award in this movie because they put all these different things so that he can act the crap out of these scenes right, right. because he wants that, you know, statue. Um, so, yeah, if I had to pick, I'd pick Rami Malek as uh, the person to... I'm going to put it down because that's the out. one I want, but I don't know that that's really good. Who's going to win? Mm. I want him to very badly, so that's what I'm going to guess. Oh, a a quick aside, because uh, as somebody who's less, you know, I took screenwriting classes, but not songwriting classes, um, (laughs) I was going to bring up the best song thing. Oh, yeah. I have somewhat of an opinion because I haven't been able to get the Spider-Verse soundtrack out of Uh, my mind. And yet... That was pretty good. And it's mostly rap music, which I don't really listen to that much. I have some Childish Gambino songs in my... Spotify, but not like you know. any other millennial would. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the hipster rapper, rap fan. <laughs> I, I like the top forty stuff, but that to me is what makes those songs really cool. Is that the it it makes that type of music accessible to a lot of different people that might not be aware of it, and it's all very uplifting music that is just like who. Who watching that movie didn't leave going, who here wanna start a ride? You know, like <laughs> there's so many of those songs that are such like big party banger right, songs right. that are just like so infectious and comparing it to like it's not a bad song, but the one that's up for Black Panther. It's so interesting to me that that didn't get recognized for that thing. And and there are so many people that are so attached to that movie. And one way that they express that is through the songs in it, like that one. And, and um, I'm Not Scared of the Dark was another good one. And, um, yeah, there's just a lot of good, you know, music in it that, you know, I feel like got stabbed a little bit. Um, the song from The Star is Born is up too, right? Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Shallow, which I thought was really good. No, yeah. So if I had to pick for that one, I would right. say that. So we got Best Actress up next. It's Yalitza Aparicio. That's the chick from Roma. Roma. Uh, Glenn Close from The Wife. I don't have to read the rest of them because... Oh, we're done. She won. <laughs> uh, we, we, uh, we have Lady Gaga from A Star is Born. That's the other one that we that we both saw. Uh, Olivia Coleman, we've seen in um, Broadchurch, oh, was in the favorite. Right, right, right. So it would be nice for her to get an award because she's a she sweetheart. She really, yeah. Um, and Melissa McCarthy, can you forgive me? It's kind of nice for her being yeah. a comedic act- actress. Yeah, to the first be up for really big dramatic for drama. I really want to see it now. Role. I'm gonna to have to watch that sometime this week. But yeah, we, I I really loved the wife. Yes. and that's just a tour de force with 
and that that's another interesting thing to me that we'll get I think get to in the Robin Williams episode that we have coming up, where there are some actors in movies that own the crap out of that oh, movie. Oh yes, and, she and everybody, what especially with Robin Williams, everybody on set, the directors, the writers, when they're involved with a movie with him, all they talk about is Robin Williams, like in their interviews and stuff. Like they're just saying like. Well, we were gonna do this, and then Robin Williams came in <laughs> and did all the, made all of these like decisions as far as creative things concerned. And I feel like Glenn Close is that type of actress where she makes she elevates stuff that she's in. Um, so I'm, I'm hoping she gets it. Uh, so the, then we have best director uh, Alfonso Coron Roma, uh, Yorgos Lanthimos, the favorite, Spike Lee. Black Klansman, Adam McKay, Vice, and Paul Pawlikowski, Cold War. Cold War. I, I thought I'd, I'd seen that Steve Buscemi was in that movie, but that's as much as I know I about that movie. I don't particularly have an opinion about any of those, really. Uh, not not necessarily. I think that the um, one thing that I, I, I credit Roma, even though personally I don't like it as much as, you know, the people that are glad that it's up for the war. Excuse me. I will compliment that all that stuff in that movie looked like it was really happening, and that's that's, the, that's the one criticism that I've heard people talk about it, where there's so many of the so many huge sets where, aside from like we were talking about some of the disjointed uh, writing of it, like there's a Cookie Monster looking guy in one scene that just starts singing. Yeah, uh, I'm wondering on, why. No idea what that was. About. Um, <laughs> but as far as like the scene behind it and the the tracking of it and everything, it looks like it's really happening. And it did um, that I think managing all those actors and stuff like that and making it feel real. Uh, I you know if I had to pick somebody, I'd probably pick him of those. I did appreciate the way he did the riot scene. Like there were only a few scenes in it that actually caught my attention much. Mm-hmm. The riot scene was one. The scene where she lost her child is another. But I think that's. I don't want to call it cheap because it is a very serious thing, mm-hmm. but that is an easy thing to pull heartstrings with uh-huh. as opposed to a riot where he could have done that in a way that was easier, like a more, I'm going to pull all your heartstrings oh, and make point, you cry, huh? but he really did it more from, you're not in the riot. It was the viewpoint of somebody near the riot mm-hmm. who was affected by it, but right. not like, not like it was not the same kind of overdramatic thing you usually see. Mm-hmm. So I, I liked the way he handled that. Right. Yeah, um, you're gonna have to read uh, the best picture nominees. Was my phone? Oh, my phone passed away. Sadness. All right, let me look them up. <laughs> um, Wait, I want to do best animated. Oh, okay, we can Two. also figure that in. Uh, um, so the, uh, yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that the the last scene, I was kind of expecting to be a little bit more uh, visceral, and I would say that the part of Part of the directorial choices that he made were a little bit removed, um, but I think you're correct in that in that instance where you're he was very much trying to make it like you're in this person's shoes, and so some of those choices of making that more like no you're just in this room and you know that there's a riot going on outside, but right. you're not you're not part of the riot not you don't really doing understand these weird camera tricks to make like, it I don't seem, even think she understood what the riot was about right. Like, all yeah, you know is limited. all of a sudden there's a bunch of people getting beaten in the streets. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. anyway. Um, 
So, Holy crap, it's a stacked year for animated. Yes. Animated features. Incredibles 2 by, by Brad Bird. Right. Isle of Dogs by Wes Anderson. Mirai, is that how you say it? By uh, Mamoru Hosoda. Ralph Breaks the Internet by Rich Moore and Phil Johnston. And then Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse by Bob, Bob Parachetti, Peter Ramsey, and Rodney Rothman. Now, as much as I love Pixar... And as much as they have walked away with it every year, they have a film on, and they have two this year uh. in it. And I loved Incredibles 2. I haven't gotten to see the new Rocket Ralph yet, yeah. but it looks amazing. I really, really hope Spider-Man wins. Yeah. <laughs> like, so much. Yeah. It was such a good film. Yeah. And I, I think that the, like, the, the, part of the critical conversation right now is how do you do fresh things with these superhero properties because we're getting used to, you know, two to five films a year within that branch with DC producing stuff. Marvel has Sony Fox and their own Marvel studios making properties based on those things. How do you keep the voice fresh? The animation in that was amazing. Breathtaking. Yes. Um, in a way that maybe Lego movie like was the first, I think to start, working in, in a stylistic thing that like set it apart in terms of like, I was just like, that was not real Legos that they were. Yeah, I know. It's like, right. That was, that was stop my animation with Legos the whole time. Wasn't it? Um, and, and this felt like it, there were parts where it felt like you were watching a comic book move. Mm-hmm. And then there were other parts where, because of the different, the different Spider-Man were all done in a different style mm-hmm. that you could, I don't know. It was just, it blew my mind. <laughs> it was great. And Nicholas Cage being, Spider-Man Noir. Yes. And I that was I, I think that's the uh uh part that that it's just overflowing with like that comic fandom and those those um cuts that those deep cuts for comic book fans that would appreciate seeing Spider that's that's as for those of you at home is S P slash slash R, which I remember <laughs> from the early 2000s as My Chemical Romance's um, lead singer making a comic for Marvel. And all of a sudden now it's like in a movie. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, that's okay. You're going to do that. And then Spider-Ham. Spider-Ham. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. Like. So weird. Yeah. But it had all those things, but was also just this gut-wrenching story about a guy, a, a version of Peter Parker that doesn't want kids that all of a sudden has to be this father figure to miles and not to mention miles himself as awesome. this biracial, like I, I'm also biased because I really love that. He's this biracial character His his father's black and his mom's uh, Puerto Rican. Um, but they, they genuinely made you feel like this was a real family. And there was this really touching thing about his relationship with his father and his uncle and him defining himself as uh, a, a man as a Spider-Man. <laughs> a hero, as a, it just all kinds of. Yeah, it was a very beautiful, very beautiful. All feels. Movie. Yes. <laughs> you know, we promised you feels. We didn't disappoint. So is that your pick too? Yes. Okay. I mean, like seriously, Pixar, we love you and you make us cry all the time. Like we cry all the time anyway, but. This yeah, movie, I, I think they're. You need, they're... To, you need to just let it pass this year. <laughs> Whatever, whatever lobbyist that you've had, yeah, stalking the academy, just uh, pray them all for a day, and then go have a hot dog. And then for the final, um, 
Bow is up for animated short, which is nice to know. Oh, okay. That's the only one of those I've seen. <laughs> for um, the moment, we've all been waiting for. Okay, best picture. There's a lot of stuff up for this category this year. <laughs> Black Panther, Black Klansman, Bohemian Rhapsody, The Favorite, Green Book, Roma, A Star is Born, and Vice. Now, um, I already tweeted how I want Black Panther to win because it had, to me, everything. It's firing on all cylinders. It's got great costuming, mm -hmm. good soundtrack, great acting, um, great cinematography. Um, the story, the writing is great. It's it's so firing on so many cylinders that I feel like it's a hard film to. Compete well, with in the other, the other. Just the idea that things. they put a Marvel movie in this category mm -hmm. makes me happy. Right, and that that makes it. It has that those feels. Right. Of like, like it's so awesome that they. Personally, I don't think it's Marvel's best one. Mm. Like I thought, one of the one of the Captain America ones should have been up. Mm. Um, but it's a great one, mm. and I'm excited that it's nominated. Mm. Um, not, not to mention, and and that's what I, that's what we keep going back to with like the cultural linchpin that has been for oh, our country. Yeah, so huge that so in huge. this that in this terrible time to be Black American, you can see a movie with that ninety nine percent Black heroes. Uh, it just you know I'm, you know getting emotional about it. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, and I'm not it's even well done. Really I'm well not done. even Black. No, yeah. So, um, but. Like it, regardless of your politics, regardless of um, what you associate Black Panther with, uh, I I wrote something a while back about vigilantes in the seventies, and and I, I was pro because they did some good work. The Fourth uh, of October organization helped my parents out in a yeah. tough time. Um, but yeah, but regardless of like what you think about politics, that that crap deserves to win. <laughs> All right, so John's vote is Black Panther. I'm assuming. <laughs> yes. My vote is Bohemian Rhapsody. And I, this is my ideal one, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know that it's going to win. Like, I don't know if that's my best bet for saying uh -huh. that it would win, but that is what I hope would win. Um, like I said, we haven't seen all of like, We saw Star is Born. Personally, I don't think it deserves this. I mean, I, it's fine if it, that it got nominated, but mm -hmm. I don't know that it necessarily deserves to win. Mm -hmm. Uh, you've heard our opinions on Roma. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to see Green Book, so maybe my opinion might change after seeing that. I don't uh -huh. know. Um, the other ones I don't really have a great desire to see. But Bohemian Rhapsody captured that. Mm -hmm. Captured Freddie Mercury so well. Captured the band so well. Mm -hmm. Captured why he was important to an extent, but it wasn't about that so much. Mm -hmm. Like, I know that there was a push yeah, to make it like about I was saying, that. It humanized him. Right. In that way that you, like, like to me, a it Star didn't is Born. didn't try and paint over his flaws. A Star is Born was good at, at showing this tortured experience of an artist and how substance abuse causes, spoiler alert, for a movie that's been remade three times. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, he, he commits suicide and everything, and, and it's a very tragic thing. Somehow... Bohemian Rhapsody took a figure that the whole world still mourns yeah. the loss of and 
celebrates the magic of his creativity. Right. And, and it's not like it doesn't show his flaws. It shows a lot about his flaws, a lot about what he did wrong. Mm -hmm. But it also shows how amazing of an artist he was mm -hmm. and how he did eventually come to his senses and they did great works, you mm -hmm. know? So, and it's also to show our cards, just as we are Marvel fans, uh, you know, I've been a Queen fan for yeah. a long time. So, too. basically, really, we went to the movie to sing because <laughs> yeah. we did the whole time. Um, and uh, I, I can understand why people are just like, you know, this is a uh, jukebox musical, and you know, the, I, I wanted this to be so much more gritty, like a Star Born type thing. Like, why? But, this but, is awesome. But for, for, for my purposes, I feel like you got the best of both worlds. You had the pathos of his life, how uh, terrible it got for him and how he, he hurt people and was hurting himself. Um, and it, it brought him very low and, and, and ended up taking his life. Um, but uh, you also got to appreciate the magic of the person that he was right. and, and the joy that he brought to right. people. And it was it was well done. It was well written. It was it the the music, the way that they edited everything in together was great. Mm. Just the whole thing was a great artwork, I think. So mm. I hope that that wins. Yes. Um, and and I don't I don't consider like so. I don't consider a Star Is Born gritty, mm -hmm. like. Like they've been, you know, doing that to everything now. We want to make the gritty version of love. That wasn't even gritty. It was just full on. Uh, we're gonna just make you cry every five seconds. Hmm. Melodramatic stuff. Yeah, I, th I, I think that's an apropos criticism. Like you can, you can think of there's there's an honesty and a rawness to telling a story, and then there's emotional manipulation. Right, and that was and that was that there were some strings like that in that there were some things that very much rang true that were very um, good creative choices on, on the part of Lady Gaga and Bradley Cooper and, and for a directorial debut, it's not that bad. Um, but there was things that were in Bohemian Rhapsody, which uh, I felt like were um, as honest and really made me feel something when I was watching the movie. Um, and without, without feeling like, you know, someone was just trying to wrench your guts every five seconds. Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't, I don't like feeling like that. Mm -hmm. Like literally a star is born felt like it's either him being drunk and embarrassing her mm. or them in some idealized romantic section. And that was it. There was no in-betweens. There was right. no, how about their like actual lives? Like, can we just see them go have a cup of coffee in the morning? Yeah. Like, and you got, you got some and of you those got moments that in, in, in Bohemian Rhapsody. So yeah. anyway, that's my hope mm -hmm. for Sunday. We shall see. All right. Well, thank you for listening to us. Um, as as I kind of mentioned before, we, we would love to talk to you about the ideas that we talked about. Uh, we would hope that, uh, you know, what, whatever conversation that we have based on this episode is not combative and it's conducive to good conversation. Um, and we would hope that we would be able to do the same unto you as well. Um, so please don't be afraid to write us at unboxing story podcast at gmail.com tweet us at, uh, at unboxing story on the, on the tweeters. Um, or on our Facebook page. Yes. Which is also unboxing story. Um, I'm at, uh, John Matos writer. And I'm at mom toast Mel on Twitter. Mom toast underscore Mel. 
It's and uh, at John Matos writer on Instagram. Which I don't know who else's mom post on Twitter that I had to put the mail on there. I will have to hunt you down, whoever you are. That's the next. Uh, so you should start that screenplay. <laughs> you stole my screenplay. One name. woman. How dare you? Sort of Rican. <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> All right. Yeah, we'll talk to you. Oh, uh, and uh, as we said, look out for our episode on Green Book and Black Panther coming out uh, this weekend. Um, probably go up on Sunday. For, for before Oscars, you can uh, listen to our, uh, us talk about that. Rather, you know, well, while you're watching everybody walk down the red carpet, you can listen to us instead of the weird commentators. Yeah. <laughs> listen to me, us, and my friend Trevor, who is our special guest. All right. Take care, guys. Bye.